Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm right here, folks, man. I got this, yeah. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We got a full slate for the podcast today, and we're going over Rosenstreich Sakai this week. But first, since we did an early set the spread, ta- so Danny and I can get our tape sessions in, we have to go back and recap the last card, not last week's card, uh, Garbrandt Font. So, gentlemen, how are we on this lovely Thursday evening since we're starting to record a little bit closer to the card this week? Doing we're psyched. Well. We got a Old crowd. Can't get any better. It really cannot. It really cannot. I'm bumping. Nothing better than a full panel. Parker. Got a early stimulation with Tough this week. Parker's going to have to do his uh, picks live on air, which is nice as always. I did them live last time. Still beat your ass, so. Yeah, whatever. We'll see if you can keep it up. Enjoy last and- play. And, uh, yeah, Tough was a great episode this week, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Starting first, let's do the recap. This was the stand-up main event, Cody Garbrandt versus Rob Font. Went to unanimous decision. Rob Font really just dominated the whole way. And the other big thing from that card is Jack Hermanson, the ankle lock of the week, cashed this big money as he took the blueprint. He lost the first round, but – Right, it looked a little sketchy at the beginning, but he toughed it out. And dominated, absolutely put his will on Edmund Shabazian in the second and the third. A lot of ride time, a lot of control. Absolutely got it done. And Galak moves to 16 and 9. There we go. Yeah, I don't know what took him so long to implement the Derek Brunson game plan, but the fact that he finally got there is what all that matters. So there's a lot of crazy stuff that happened on this card for those who remember. But let's start it off here. So there were a couple uh scratch fights but i want to start with the laugh of all laughs the joke of all jokes the ben rothwell versus chris barnett danny i know you were all over that ben rothwell line reasonably so the fact that the wisconsin six foot giant was fighting a super heavyweight who was giving up six inches or nine inches or whatever the fuck yeah you said everything you said everything right there you didn't have to watch a lot of tape to cap this one you just had to see one picture of this Barnett guy and see where he weighed in for his last couple of fights. There was no way he was touching the house of a person, Ben Rothwell. Uh, and, and as we saw, he kind of got it done wherever the hell he wanted. I ended up with a sub, a guillotine, but uh, was able to take him down at it will, was able to land all the strikes. I mean, those body digs looked aggressive. Yeah, it was a pure, it was a pure domination. And then, the finish was coming because the super heavyweight Barnett who cut down, he, uh, he gasped. Started turning his back too. It looked kind of dangerous out there. He almost wanted the way out. The other thing too, that's, that's was something that I took away from this fight card. Women's straw weight divisions kind of mixed up because I'm over here thinking, you know, Carlos Barza who, at one point was the champion of this division. Also speaking of tough, a tough champion. Um, she dominated Jan Zhao Nan. Perfect. And look at that. And 
Zhao Nan was talking about, oh, if I win this, I get a title shot. If I do this, I- I'm the top of the class and got absolutely shit wrecked by what I thought was gatekeeper Carlos Barza. It- it's, I don't understand where this division's going. I don't know if, Danny, if you have the rankings up or if someone wants to chime in, but women's straw weight's in such a spot right now where if Carlos Sparza keeps knocking out the so-called next contenders, you got to imagine that she might be the next at the shot. Yeah, I, I've got the rankings up right here. Um, and the only two realistic things I'm seeing are, because I don't think they're going to give way Lee right back to Rose. She got scorched, I mean, right away. What wasn't then, competitive. Quick knockout. Gonna, and then I think also, it's Joanna or you give Carla, right? That, really right, that title do- shot. Are you really going to do Rose JJ three when JJ has been kind of finished twice now? I mean, like, is that actually what people want to see? I think people want to see it more than Carla. Just looking at Joanna still being ranked ahead of her. Um, I almost think that the UFC might run back one of the greatest women's fights of all time. Joanna Wei Lee, and then give Carla the bump former title holder against Rose. Um, I think that'd be a cool matchup. That's what I was thinking. Cause I was, I was thinking if Jan won last week, I th- I actually was thinking her claims weren't that unreasonable. Give her to Rose, whatever. But after getting utterly dominated, it shows that she has a lot of work to do, especially on the ground before she even sniffs title contention. So both Wei Lee getting stouched and JJ being 0 for 2, you, you almost got to give Carla. They also were on the same season of tough. I'm pretty sure. I think they might not have been. I think you're probably right. Um, but yeah, so I, well, no, they both won. They couldn't have both won tough. You're right. Must've been different seasons, but so they, so so I don't know. I mean, women's this, this, I think this fight didn't necessarily go how Dana wanted it to go. I think he loves tapping into that China, China audience, but that was something I really took away because I was I was surprised by the utter domination. Um, oh, the other one that I really want to touch on. And Danny, you you can't stay silent for this one. Bill Algio, what happened? My team alpha male didn't. My team alpha male fade glitched on your so-called jujitsu instructor. What the fuck? Yeah, that was a tough fight. Um, I mean, it was just mat return after mat return after mat return. That was the most successful team alpha male game plan has ever gone. I think you'd agree <laughs> there. Um, Ricardo Ramos beat him to the takedowns. He, I think he had like seven or eight. It was just, I thought it was a pretty even match on the feet. And I thought that Bill could have been more aggressive in terms of submissions, but he wasn't really in a dominant grappling position ever. I, that surprised me. I thought that it'd be more even in the grappling realm. And I thought that Bill would initiate a takedown maybe once or twice and, and get himself some control. It didn't happen. He was on the receiving end of all of them. The other thing is I think you think I forgot, but Dan, dog or pass and you ride Felicia Spencer. I mean, you pay the 185 on Felicia Spencer and she gets absolutely shit-wrecked. Yep. That, that one That's was it. not one of my prouder moments. I was so frustrated the night of. She looked lost out there, so passive, letting Norma do whatever the hell Norma wanted. And that's and and think about that quote right there. Letting Norma do whatever. Like I mean, who says she she's she doesn't get what she wants on anyone? But Felicia Spencer let her have it. It was terrible. It was tough yeah, to think, watch. I think this just really goes to show how, I mean, the state of the featherweights and and 
that by that, I mean the non-existent state of the featherweights. This division needs to go the best, the title challengers, whatever. They, they're trash, just like the rest of them. This is just a shiny, like, marketing ploy for Nunes to be a double champ. Yeah, I don't even know what it is at this point. I mean, the featherweight division, you can't even fill out the top 10. It just there's not even 10 people fighting at featherweight. And if there is half of them could cut down to bantamweight. They just don't want to, to, to beef up the featherweight division and also get easier competition. Was Megan Anderson fighting at, at featherweight because they she caught was. her ass. And that, mm-hmm. that was a thin body there too. So it's, it's crazy. Um, the last thing before we move on to news and notes from last week's card, Bruno Silva got a, First round finish, which is rare for flyweights. And he also just had a second round finish over JP buys after coming off two straight decision losses. Have we seen, a, is this a new Bruno Silva? Is, is there a turn in his career trajectory or did they just feed him some lambs to slaughter there? I, I think that, uh, I think Bruno is the real deal. I don't think that he's a future title holder, maybe a contender, but if you're if you're looking even back 2017, I mean the guys had draws over with not over, but draws with Casey Kenny. Uh, he's been fighting well against some skilled guys for a while. He just ran into two killers in Dvorak and Ulan Bekov that kind of derailed his career. And yeah. it, I, it, it's really looking good that he can finish these these lower caliber guys in the division the way that he's finishing them. It. it, it kind of proves to me that he is that guy that is just as skilled as the Casey Kenny's. Um, he just had a rough two nights at the office. My thought exactly. The one thing though is even with those two pretty devastating finishes and back-to-back fights, you're looking at a flyweight division that doesn't get a lot of finishes, but is very, very deep. I mean, even Dvorak who he lost to is 11, you know, Julian Paiva 12. Uh, there's there's not a lot of room for him to crack in here, at least yet. I mean, he's still unranked even after those last two performances. So he's got a lot of work ahead of him to be considered a top even 10 flyweight. Bruno Silva got a performance of the night bonus. Carlos Sparza got a performance of the night bonus. Mm. The fight of the night was Bandera Tafa. Mm. That makes sense. I, I was about to – good catch. I was going to see if we wanted to assign him. Because performance, performance. So fight of the night got Parker all his points with the decision on Vantera, which is just a, a crazy line. Who looked awesome. I don't know if it was Justin awesome. Tafa just looking super, super raw. Um, I think we talked about it in the lead up. He's, he was a guy who's kind of knockout or bust. He, he, he is just really raw. But Vantera looked awesome. So let's do this then. Since, since we got over our performance bonuses, are there any pink slips from last from last fight night? Are, is there anyone who's overstayed their welcome? I think you can get rid of both Norma and Felicia, and I, I'll never see them again and not be, not oh, be okay. sad no, at all. That's the one off a win, Dan. <laughs> well, let's cut them both. Let's just get rid of them. Never have to think about them again. You know, that, that seems like it's a good strategy, yeah. Cut both of them and then keep Will Barnett for the memes. Chris Barnett, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's who I was going to go to. The, yeah. the two guys, Chris Barnett and Juan Camilo Ronderos, uh, Juan Camilo Ronderos. Dvorak, 
Yeah. Those are two guys that probably shouldn't have been in the UFC to begin with. I don't know if it's a pink slip when you only signed a one-fight deal on three days' notice. Yeah. I don't think they even need to fire you. They just don't call you again. Right, right. You're dead right. I don't want to consider that a pink slip. But I think a pink slip, you need to have at least two fights in the UFC. And with that being said, Victor Rodriguez just got stouched by Bruno Silva and then also got a first. So he's 0-2 in the UFC with two first-round knockouts. Yeah, <laughs> not a good look. No, tough one. Um, honestly, like even Taffa. Taffa could. Taffa was another one. I know three. I know he was on the main card, but I wanted to mention Taffa as well. I know Dana loves um, these random heavyweight bodies, but Jorgen DeCastro lost, Carlos Felipe lost, Jared Vandera lost, and then a win over Juan Adams, who obviously, look how that aged. I mean, Juan Adams talked a big game and has been cut for a little bit now. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we, there's a chance we don't see Tafa again either. Yep. One and four in the UFC that's, or one and three. That's tragic. Everyone else I think is probably pretty safe. And they, they cut, they cut uh, Juan Adams after one and three. Yeah. they after, do. after that loss, but he went to one and three in the UFC, the same, yeah, same exact did. record as Tafa here. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, Felicia, but the problem is they're in such a state in the UFC where it's like, can Dana really cut Felicia if he wants to keep that featherweight door open? Like, I don't think you can. I think his step by cutting Megan is is the first step or maybe, I mean, not the first step, but it, it is another step in the direction of he's done with this division. Which is, I think, I think it's really. And it's also not putting asses in the seats. I mean, it's no one wants, no one's signing up to go. Unless Amanda Nunes is fighting Cyborg, no one's showing up. Right. With that being said, that was the Garbrandt font card. It was relatively uneventful, but a couple big finishes and then a big move there in the men's. Big shout out to Font. Big Bobby Font always comes in clutch. But so a little bit of movement in that men's bantamweight division, and then a little bit of movement in the women's strawweight division. Other than that, nothing crazy that went down. So let's transition to news and notes here. Kobe, I know you got the list written down. Um, all right, let's just, let's just rip the bandit off. Let's go for this one first. Yep. Parker, Woodley. stay seated. Be calm. <laughs> Don't get too heated. Tyrone Woodley and Jake Paul announced boxing match, 10-ounce gloves. What is it, August? Late August? Don't so bury the lead. Let our, uh, let our listeners know that opening line. The opening line is Woodley plus 130. The other thing that needs to be mentioned after the fight got announced is some of the rules that are going into this fight. There is knockouts are allowed, but there are no judges. I think that was for the, that was for the Mayweather one. That's Mayweather. Mayweather Logan. He's a little confusing. Yeah, it does get confusing because there's two kids who shouldn't be boxers that want to be. But that is also news. It's weird. I mean, I don't think that it's going to matter because I think Mayweather is going to get him out of there. I mean, Logan is by far the worst athlete of the two, let alone. He lost to to another YouTuber. I mean, like, you think he's going to be the best boxer of all time? Yeah, no. I mean, I I think he's going to get his ass knocked out. So I don't think the judges should matter. I did think it's interesting that uh, I think it's the California or maybe it's the Florida State Athletic Commission is is refusing to sanction it. Um, It's crazy. Right. It's it's both about the disparity in the strength of schedule. And also the disparity in size being that um, Floyd has fought most of his career at like uh, 145, 155, and Jay or Logan's going to come in around like 200. 
Yeah. And so no commission. That's why they, there's a commission sponsored referee employed for the fight, but the commission will not send judges and will not make a decision uh, on it as a sanctioned professional fight. So let's just say, let's just say Floyd loses. Is he still undefeated? I mean, it's he's not still undefeated, happen, but it's I'm not accounting on any of these guys' records. Okay. What, um, that, what worries about what the only thing that worries me about that is he's no he longer the GOAT. <laughs> he loses that belt. Well, what worries me about that is let's just say Floyd takes a dive. It doesn't actually. He has too much money to take a dive. That's the difference between him and Ben Askren. Floyd has yeah, too much money to take a dive. Floyd is knocking his ass out. I just don't know why Floyd would even take this. It doesn't make any sense. I'm just disappointed we won't get a betting line, and that's why we're going to move on because we're yeah. here to make our listeners money. Yeah, I agree. Let's not get too bogged down with a boxing match that's going to make Parker shit his pants. Speaking okay. of a boxing match is going to make him shit his pants, I – like. We're bet we're all betting Woodley at plus one plus one thirty, right? You have to. Yeah, you have to, of course. At this point, people are paying that same tax that they pay with McGregor, that they pay with um I mean that they used to pay with Ronda Rousey to that level. John here's, Jones. It's it's a name tax for with Jake Paul. Here's the question though. Is Woodley rich enough to not take a dive? <laughs> We've been talking about fighter pay for a long time. Because but no, I think that Woodley takes this takes this personal. Uh, we saw those at videos. This point, at this point, like his, it's not like he has anything to gain for his ego. He's just got stouched four times in a row and hasn't thrown a power right in eleven rounds. Right, but I I think that he I think this is personal for him. There, those videos leaked of him in Jake's um him like kind of whatever yeah. he heads with Jake's trainer or Jake's boxing coach. I think before the Askren fight, I I think that he's pissed off. I think the big key, though, is to not throw too much money on it because there's a lot of money to be made. It's still celebrity boxing. You can't – It's still celebrity boxing, and there's a lot of money to be made on the idea of hyping up Jake Paul to be an actual boxer. And if a guy like Tyron Woodley needs to take a dive to convince people that he actually can box and this will keep going – I mean, let's put it – let's be real. If you throw Jake Paul in, a, in top rank, top rank boxer in ESPN, he doesn't win a fight with any of those guys. I mean, how much is it worth to Showtime? They just signed Jake to a big deal, multiple fight deal. It's worth a lot of money for Tyron to take a fall and make and convince Jake Paul that he's an actual boxer. Now we're talking about the WWE, right? I, I don't like I don't like getting into the the fixes on chats because I'm a big gambler and I don't like gambling on Portuguese soccer for that same reason. Right, <laughs> but that's why, like, I might throw it for the memes. But I'm not actually going to act. I'm not going to put any real units into a Tyron Woodley victory there because it's, it's hard to trust, honestly. What else we got? We got some fight announcements, yeah. I know. Yeah, let's get into some UFC stuff. Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez got announced. Wow. I, that's yeah. news to me. That oh, is so it? exciting. Yeah, it's a good fight. I heard that fight got announced. When is that? I think August also, mid-August. Oh my gosh. It is. It's a fight night. It's not a pay-per-view. It is. Oh, it's July 17th. 
Wow. July 17th, the return of Yair Rodriguez. One of the most exciting, exciting fighters at 145 versus a guy we've talked a ton about, Max Holloway, potentially the featherweight goat. Wow, this is going to be fun. Next, we just need Zabit to come back, and this division is popping. This division has the potential to be the best in the UFC. And Yair got in trouble a while back for turning down tough fights. He actually got he got cut for like a short second for turning down every fight he got he got offered. So for him to take this fight against arguably the best striker on the UFC roster, especially after he shut Calvin Cater up the way he did, it, I'm it's going to be a barn burner. I wonder what the line's going to be on that guy. And then it's going to be interesting. Is both versus Ortega rescheduled yet? I mean, well, I know for the end of tough. At the end tough it's, it doesn't so, matter, so. i don't know if it has a date yet yeah okay. but you got to imagine the winner of y- yair rodriguez holly gets the winner of ortega Volk. yeah yep almost but, almost certainly can't especially, wait for holloway volk three especially because you can give holloway a third because such a majority of the fans think he won the second so yeah. you can kind and of the first was close i mean i i'm still in the long time Watch it back. Watch the exchanges in slow-mo if you need to. Volk won that second one. You won't commit to me otherwise. I agree. I agree. I agree. Both were awesome fights, and I would love to see him again. We were just talking a second ago about how we don't need to see Rose Joanna a third time. This is completely different. I need to see this again. I need to see it a fourth time, a fifth time. Sign me up again. They take my 70 bucks on that fight every single time, without a doubt. Next fight announcement, Michelle Pajeda and Nico Price on the UFC 264 card, which is just absolutely loaded. Yeah, that'll just be a spectacle, but I'm down to watch it. That'll be a good time. Fireworks there. Yeah. I bet. It's great to Michelle Pajeda. That's an easy fight for him. That's an easy fight for him if he doesn't roll in for ankle locks and, like, crazy shit. You know what I mean? Like, the Mm -hmm. dude's just menace. Um, We got Tough Episode 1 aired this week. Any quick reactions? Yes, I love that Tough is back. I think that right now I'm giving Team Volk the edge to edge it out over time. That first pick advantage was nice. But See, I'm I'm on the other side. I kind of really – I'm a big Volk guy, as I just was talking about, and I, I think I like Ortega's team better. I like that. I want to do a Malort, whoever wins – whoever has the winner at the end. Fuck yeah, I'm in. Let's but I it. suck. It's going to suck rooting against Volkanovski the whole season. Right. No, I just think their coaching styles. I think Brian Ortega probably is the better coach. I think he has experience coaching and he he can help these guys win. Even even the way in this episode, if you watch, and I don't want to spoil anything, so skip ahead if you haven't seen it yet. But in the fight, Ortega was yelling, "Step over, get to mount." Right, and that was Andre the does it, and that's what got the finish. And so those are the type of adjustments that I I think Ortega is probably the better coach. But I remember when I was. Looking at Volk pick his team, I was like, he got absolute killers, man. I, I get the, I think, you know, Ortega's a better coach than Volk, but Volk's a better coach than Ortega. But I don't know how you guys can watch that and have, like, a real understanding of the teams that you're just making. A well, believe it or not, I actually was watching all those segments of, like, get to learn the fighters and, like, all the stuff. So, I actually have a decent right. understanding of these of these guys on, on Tough this year. Yeah. Uh, I know. I'm excited for next week's fight. The the whatever the Dagestani, I mean Caucasus Mountain Warrior. I, I won't corner him into Dagestan, but Caucasus Mountain areas, uh, whatever Neckbeardy versus the whoever that phenom that they were talking about. Yeah, that would be sweet. 
Yeah, I'm excited for that one too. So it's week to week now, we have a little another another little content section, which I like. But I'm just happy all in all that this show's uh, up and running again. Last piece of info. <clears throat> Your favorite ankle pickers have an Instagram account. At yes. not on Instagram. So find us on that platform. Give us some likes. Give us a follow. and uh, Take we'll it just- down. Ground and pound that follow button. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Instagram is going to be a great spot for you to get some of the extras that we clip-wise it's a lot easier to put on Instagram, such as Malort shots or or any crazy bloopers that Danny has when he blacks out. So and YouTube should be coming uh, soon. Yeah. What's up? And YouTube should be coming soon. I agree. I agree. YouTube will be coming soon. So we got a lot moving forward. We got and a lot of works. Yeah. So just stay just so just stay tuned with your boys. We'll make you some money in the meantime as a thank you. And we'll keep trucking along. With all that being said, let's get into this week's card. Uh, Jair Rosenstroke, busy Biggie Boy versus Gusto Sakai. This card is gonna be this Saturday, and I think it's a uh, normally scheduled as far as time wise goes. Um, yeah, six o'clock for the main card and three three p.m. for the prelims, all Central Time. As always, this ESPN era for those who've been watching since the Fox days, the cards definitely start a little bit earlier, which is a bummer for me. With that being said, let's 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 get a kick. Let's let's get into it. Lightweight bout: Claudio Poyas versus Jordan Levitt. And the, the line on this, what's up? The Monkey King. The Monkey King. And Jordan Levitt's minus two hundred in this bout against Claudio. And the lines come down a little bit from two forty, but not a crazy amount. So as always, Danny, I'm giving you the lead. Yeah, that two hundred line is is right on the head. Both are pretty young, great submission grapplers. Um, Levitt's definitely the better wrestler as we saw with his slam from hell over Matt Weeman. Um, neither are great strikers, but Levitt seems probably more durable. This fight comes down for me to just expecting Levitt to have more top control being in better, uh, grappling positions, position over submission. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens when Puelas, who's kind of a one trick pony. And like, if I don't get a sweet submission, I'm done fight someone who's knowing what he's thinking who's a step ahead who's not going to give him that submission not going to leave an arm or a leg out um i think i think jordan's going to get this done i don't know if he subs him this could be a decision but i i think the line's appropriate minus 200 i'm I'm comfortable with that yeah i have the exact same take but the one thing i will mention is i don't think i'm going to take this one from so danny and i both might have a little more insight this week just because we recorded our set the spread last week as previously mentioned. So I've had time to tape everything this week, which has been a really nice change of pace and, and have had time to dive in. Like I usually like to, and this one, although my, I like to make lines before I tape and I had the line at 180 for Jordan Levitt was my estimate line. I don't necessarily feel comfortable laying the 200. I, I, I think that, Jordan Levitt could maybe be a parlay piece, a minus 200 little add. He'll probably get it done, but it's hard to lay like, let's say two units on a minus 200. You know what I mean? Especially with two guys so young, I guess is where I'm really getting at. I don't know if you agree with that sentiment. Yeah, definitely. Um, So moving up the card then, we'll just continue along. Uh, Featherweight bout, Sean Woodson versus Yusuf Salal. And I have a lot to say about this one. The line on this is Sean Woodson minus 175, Yusuf, Yusuf Zalal plus 155. 
But Yusuf Salal saw as high as plus 200 uh, closer to open on this line. And that made Sean Woodson minus 260, which to me really took me for a whirl. Yeah, this is a big question mark for me in a lot of ways because Zalal is a big question mark for me. He does a lot of things really well, and I don't think he does any certain things super great. Woodson has good boxing, good kicks, a six-inch reach advantage here. Um, I see him having more of the volume of strikes. He does have a ton of holes in his game in terms of defensive grappling, head movement, um, a lot, of, just a ton of holes almost everywhere. Yeah, but for me, Zalal is a basic point fighter um he's gonna have a lot of movement he's gonna utilize those calf kicks he's gonna have a good jab um on paper he is a, a jujitsu brown belt but i haven't like seen that really come out in any fights and i don't expect him to just go out and grapple sean here um this is a no play for me because i can't really get a good read even though i'm not expecting this to be the most competitive fight i think one of these guys is gonna have an advantage and i can't figure out who i like your take i actually am gonna have probably only a unit on this one i but it's hard for me not to want to take zalal here i think zalal's ufc competition has been significantly higher that of which i mean sean woodson came off the contender series zalal's um had i think like four or five Fights now in the UFC, maybe even six. And he came out of LFA, which I always like that approach versus the contender series. The thing about Zalal that I like here is, A, the line, obviously. I love the plus 155. I loved it even more at plus 200, so I'm not surprised that this line has come down. The thing about me is Dan said it a little bit. Sean Woodson loves to keep his head on the center line because of his length, because he's so lanky and has never had to deal with somebody that can even get close to as far as his reach. He hasn't seemed to master the art of his head movement yet. Keep his head on the center line as able to get touched. And then you also touched on it, Dan. His takedown defense is not great. His defensive grappling is not great. And he recently got choked out by Julian Arosa, who's been a longtime journeyman, has been cut. He was winning most of that fight, back. though. He was. But, I mean, that was expected. He was a minus 400 or something crazy and and, and lost it due to, due to a choke. So – I think that there's ways to, to beat him. And I think that we are, we have far from seeing the best use of the law with him being only 24 years old. I know he's on a two fight skid, but even if he loses a Sean Woodson fight, I'm not giving him the pink slip come next week. I think that he's 24 years old. Dana wants to hold on to a guy like this. And the more he faces this tougher competition, the better it'll suit him. And but that Taporia loss doesn't count because no, no one's Taporia loss obviously doesn't count, right? Why would we count that? But he, Yusuf's Law, like you said, is a point fighter. He's great at getting in and out. He, he usually goes to unanimous decisions. He's very, very quick, and he's a great at scrambles if it, if the time comes. And I just think Yusuf's Law has the arsenal and has the speed to come to the table to give to give Woodson problems, and and if. And if he brings him into waters that Woodson's are uncomfortable with, I think he could even end up finishing this show, uh, finishing this fight, which is crazy coming from a guy who only seems to see the judges. So I think a unit at, at the dog is a safe play. And you'll probably see it hit my card coming awesome. up this week. Yeah. Love I, it. I love it. I, I like your read too, though, because I agree. 
I think that there is a small chance that Woodson's reach is a big problem. And so Lal's not inexperienced, but age has a tough time with him coming over, coming, figuring out how to get around it. And in which case that would prevent, provide a lot of problems. If that doesn't happen though, I think it's going to be a clear breeze by Zalal, which you hinted to one of these guys will probably have an advantage. All right, Dan, buckle down. This next one's a women's flyweight bout and Danny's system is dogger pass on women's, but it's not this time because for obvious reasons, we have Tabith Ricky, Ricky versus Minoy Foyer, Foyat, something like that. But Manon Faro is Faro, who I think. Faro, and, but but she's minus five hundred against Ricky, who's plus four hundred here. So he's or minus five hundred versus plus four hundred. So a massive line. So if you're not dogger pass here, I you got to see something. Let me get into my French bag real quick before I talk about Faro. Je m'appelle Danny. None of us knew what you meant. My name is Danny. Undukat. <laughs> Those are the three rounds. Undu and Kat. <laughs> All right, Faro is gonna fucking. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's reset. Um, <laughs> she looks spectacular in his debut. Lethal karate-based striking approach, kind of like Wonder Boy. Hits super hard for women's flyweight. Um, I kind of think that her Miranda Maverick are the two women kind of being groomed as title contenders, as, as real women who can take over this division. Um, and she showed kind of solid takedown defense in that debut as well. Uh, initially, when I was taping this, it was against Moroz, who I thought was a huge step up in competition, which I thought said a lot of what the UFC thinks about her. They think that she's going to win this one and be ranked. They think that she's going to move through. And I think she's going to move through Ricci. Um, she's a great grappler, whatever, top-level judo, top-level jiu-jitsu. She's just so green. It's too early to be called up for her, especially on a day's notice, especially against someone who, has, who hits as hard and is as technical and has as good of movement as Foirot. Foirot is going to get her done. And the other I think, thing – I think you might even be able to play a KO. The other thing that's hard to, to, hard to not bring up is the size difference. Foirot – Five seven, 66 inch reach. The Brazilian, five one, 62 inch reach. I mean, if this stays on the feet, not only is the experience level slash skill level huge, but you're also giving her a size and reach advantage. I think a knockout might happen here. This I, this I, might be this could be a woman's knockout play. They're rare, you but you might. It's, see abso- it's absolutely within the cards. Now the real question is. Is it worth playing? And for that, the line, oh, they don't have the lineup, so forget it. It's just fight goes to decision. Fight doesn't go to decision, though, Dan, minus 195. So they're calling for a finish. That's, that's wild. TKO. Yeah. And Because you know it's not going to be by submission with that Brazilian Absolutely. off the back. All right. Sound the horns, ladies and gentlemen. We have the agreed-upon ankle lock of the week. Kobe, ankle lock record. Say it for us again. 17 and 6. I'm sorry, 16 and 9. I think I messed it up in the beginning of the episode. No, you said 16 and 9 to begin with. What is it? 16 and 9. I don't know what 17 and 6 is. You're just having a little bit of an issue. 16 and 9. Ride it. It's hot. We got it. Two out of every three hit. And with that being said, Danny, Mason Jones, your boy, 
who you know the ins and out of. Danny sits in his training camp week in and week out and just studies this guy. He has three notebooks, college width, not wide rule, of just what this man does in the gym and all his techniques and skill levels. And he's fighting Alan Patrick, a guy who's coming off, I believe, two straight losses in a row. Um, one of which he got mounted by Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman, which was a tough loss for the guy who was minus 255. And then he also came off another loss against Bobby Green via decision after a decent layoff with like four or five canceled bouts in a row. Now he gets the up-and-comer Mason Jones to potentially put him on a three-fight skid. Danny and I think that three-fight skid is almost inevitable. Mason Jones here, minus 275. Alan Patrick, plus 235. I know what everyone's thinking, so I'm going to stop it before Danny gets into his breakdown. 275, ankle lock, what the fuck's wrong with you guys? It is honestly still too low. It is still too low. There is a very limited path to victory for Alan Patrick, and that is Mason Jones getting struck by lightning. It should be up there with that Foireau line. I agree. Break it down. As we said, I'm super high on Mason Jones. Um, He showed out in his debut against Mike Davis, a guy who's a killer. Um, And and a lot of people could have argued that Mason won that fight. It was close. In both the grappling and the, and the striking, which is surprising, as someone against someone as strong as Mike Davis and as strong as a grappler, he showed great toughness, great pace, great pressure. Um, and I, I've I've said in the past, Mason's a lifetime mixed martial artist. This guy was training multiple disciplines, like as a youth, like age twelve black belt or something. No, I think age twelve, like purple belt. Um, but he's been he's been a professional boxer he's competed in high level jujitsu high level judo he's a two-weight world champ in cage warriors before making the move over to the ufc this guy is the real deal very bad man he's staring across at alan patrick who's gonna try recklessly to close the distance clinch get a takedown get top control maybe submission it's just not gonna happen against a guy like mason jones a guy with that much strength, that much movement, that many different game plans. You want to grapple him? He's like, cool. You want, you want to stand with him? He's like, cool. You got to really, really, I mean, separate him from consciousness if you want him to back off. I mean, Mike Davis tried as hard as he could and couldn't get him to take a step backwards. Mason Jones is winning this fight. This fight is a parlay piece for sure. Um, you can play it straight up. As Reese said, it's still too, there's still value here. Mason Jones is the real deal. And like you said, too, it's Mason Jones is a guy who doesn't get caught. You're not, you're not going to be up two rounds to nothing and be and sweat the, Oh no, Mason Jones might get knocked out. He's got a fucking granite ass chin on him. And he seems like he doesn't run out of cardio ever. He does. I thought after the first round against Mike Davis, I was like, Oh, it was a good close round, but it doesn't look good for the, for the rest two. He's got 10 more minutes left. He's kind of gassed. He never let up. He never slowed up. And remember, Mike Davis puts it on you at a much higher pace than Alan Patrick will. I mean, right. he puts it on you. So I, after taping, and again, a lot of time this week, I, 275 doesn't seem high enough. Add it to your parlays. Play it straight. However you want to cash in on this, it's, it's your prerogative, but it'll definitely see both of our cards, which I'm excited about. So for those following along, we are going with the tapology order, not the ESPN order. 
Um, but so the next fight on the card is another one talked about for potential ankle lock of the week that I know Danny's getting a hard on for. 170 bout Fran- Francisco, 42-year-old Trinaldo versus Muslim Soliakov. Yeah, Trinaldo, absolute legend, super well-rounded. But as Reese just said, he's 42 now. He's getting so old. He's just he so like hard. I, I, I need to interject because the, the reason why Danny and I laid off this as the ankle lock, because we were between the two, is because it's so hard to ever count Trinaldo out, being the legend that he is. But, 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 it wouldn't be hyperbolic to say that riding Francisco Trinaldo, or not Trinaldo, uh, Soliakov and Mason Jones in a parlay is a lock. It could have easily been the lock, too, if we weren't just picking one. I love that play. That sure. play will yeah. probably see my card for you. I think, a, I think a mixture of all, all and two Poirot. Those, yeah, Poirot Poirot on there. a mixture of all that will, will, will be on our cards in multiple different ways. So, Danny, continue to break it down. Sorry for the – No, all good. I mean – I'm just jazzed about it. As, as we said, it's really tough to fade Trinaldo. Uh, I think we were both on Jai Herbert in his last fight, a fight where Herbert was winning for the entire time. It, it's rare in the UFC where a guy has a win on his record and you look back on it thinking, man, he looked like a shell of himself. Like, man, he did not look good that day. One good punch – or, I mean – one missed punch, and that, that's not his fight. He, he loses. I think moving up to 170 from 55, it probably is going to help him in terms of having an easier time with the weight cut as he missed last time, but I don't think that it improves his competitive edge. I think against a guy like Salikov, who's a, a real deal 170-er, a guy who – is not going to be taken down. A guy who's a great kickboxer, master of sport in, um, I wrote it down, master of sport in Wushu Sanda, which is the Chinese kickboxing variety. Uh, this guy has been in hundreds of kickboxing fights. That's how you get the master of sport title. He's not going to get, I mean, he's got good footwork. He's got great wheel kicks. He's a disciplined striker. Um, the deciding factor for me here is he has solid takedown defense too. Ternaldo's not going to ride him out. I see Salikov maybe even getting a knockout against a 42-year-old in the wrong weight class. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more, Dan. I really couldn't. I think the parlay, like I said, of the two is almost guaranteed to hit, and it'll see both of our cards. But I, I'm not going to rehash everything you just said. But the takedown defense is the one thing that is notable because that's going to be one of Francisco Trinaldo's best path to victory is to take him out and ride him from the top. And it's nice that, especially from the background that Soliakov is, you don't totally need to worry about that. And he is such a kickboxing pedigree, which I love. Moving up the card. Now this one is one that I'm excited to break down for you guys. It's a heavyweight bout. Yes. Heavyweight. Elar Latifi versus Tanner Bozer. I mean, what a fight. Oh, also the Soliakov line, I forgot to mention, uh, is I know Soliakov's minus two hundred. I think it's two forty-five uh, around there. Yeah, two forty-five. Trinaldo plus two hundred five, and then Bozer's minus one eighty-five against the gatekeeper Elar Latifi, the uh, Swedish sludgehammer, as he goes by. So plus one sixty on the wily old vet versus Tanner Bozer, an up-and-comer who I think just took an L to uh, Andre Orlovsky, the other wily old vet. So this is an interesting one to see him as a 
185 favorite, even though he definitely has the size. Yeah, this is a weird one for me because, as you said, it's a heavyweight fight that I can argue between our two light heavyweights. It's it's skinny, yeah. great movement Tanner Bozer versus short, stubby, actually used to fight at light heavyweight. I think his last win, if I'm not wrong, was OSP at light heavyweight. Has Latifi ever even made the 85 dip like early in his career? Maybe, sure. but I don't but think he's, he's I don't he think he's the, won at heavyweight before, by the way. No, I don't think he has either. I know he has the frame for mid for middleweight, but I know he's fought at light heavyweight. Let's see. So so Latifi's record here, and these are mainly the fights I tape, so hopefully I don't is a bad Derek Lewis fight, a loss. Vulcan Ozdemir, knockout loss. He just never could get close the distance. Corey Anderson, who's now in Bellator, loss. And then a win over OSP, who we all know is an insta-fade. And then a win over Tyson Pedro, who we haven't seen in a while. And I don't even know if he's rostered these days. Um, so, yeah, Latifi's ad, it's somewhat tough as of late. Whereas Tanner Bozer, I know he just came off that loss to Andre Orlovsky, which I, I, I know he was a heavy favorite going into. And then after that, just some random – I mean, he did lose to Gon as well, but Felipe Lins and Rafael Peso as, as, as some recent wins for him. So 185 being the line is where I have the issue, but I'm curious to see what you have to think. Yeah, it, it's – I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. Latifi is coming off three straight losses, uh, the most recent one being his heavyweight debut against Derek Lewis. Um, that was a fight I was in the building for, a fight that – I was excited for Derek Lewis to hopefully knock someone out. Um, and that was a boring one. Latifi actually had, I think, eight minutes of ride time, top control time. I was surprised when the judges didn't go in his favor. Yeah, I, that um, was a robbery, in my opinion. As he well. is a decent grappler, especially from the clinch. He had those trips against Derek Lewis. I mean, he landed three takedowns against Derek Lewis. I don't think Curtis Blades did that in his last fight. Um, no, but, 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 with that being said, is Bozer a guy, especially with the size, 6'2", every bit of 255, I think? Is he going to be a guy? No, 235. So he's a lighty. Like we said, probably can make the cut to light heavyweight. But is Bozer going to be a guy who stays on the bottom in this fight? Because that's the one question I think needs to be answered if you're going to ride the dog or or the favorite. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think yeah. that's what I want path to victory is to just lay on top of him get a, a trip or two i think it's gonna be a lot tougher to corner a guy like um tanner bozer versus a guy like Derek lewis who doesn't really move as, as much and is looking for a shot that if it misses you're already in and being the more athletic bigger taller heavyweight bozer probably has an advantage he is a point fighter he's got good movement it's going to be hard for Latifi to chase down. But it, like you said, it, it's the line. That 185 is yeah. weird to me. And I do see it being a grindy, boring heavyweight fight where there's a lot of top control potentially. And I don't want to be on the other end of that. This is a pass for me. Me too. I think if if I do end up playing it, it will be for Latifi. It it's really needs to be, can I determine if, Latifi's going to be able to keep top control on Bozer for even two rounds. And because I don't necessarily think Bozer is going to get the finish on a vet like Latifi and, and seeing him lose to Orlovsky just kind of 
even hammers that a little bit harder for me. Uh, the next fight on the card, and this is a fight that I am very excited about. And again, going off topology because the orders are all messed up. Uh, Montana De La Rosa versus Ariana Lipsky. And the line is De La Rosa minus 270 and Lipsky plus 230. And I know, Dan, that me and you have the same type of agreeance on this fight. But break it down for us. Yeah, for me, this is the classic striker versus grappler. Lipsky being the striker with their Muay Thai background, probably superior power and hand speed. Um, she doesn't have the best footwork, though, which is interesting for a Muay Thai striker. Montana striking has gotten better, but she's not super technically sound. I don't see her choosing to strike with Lipsky a ton, but she's a massive grappling advantage here. Uh, high school wrestling background, brown belt in jiu-jitsu, trains out of team elevation. Um, Lipsky is not particularly great off her back or at defending takedowns we saw against Antonina Shevchenko. Those like headlock throws that weren't even like set up or disguised at all. It wasn't in on the hips. It was just, I'm going to grab your neck and throw you around the ring because you can't stay on your feet. Um, obviously, Lipsky has that highlight reel knee bar over Carolina that Parker likes. Um, but even in that, it wasn't like she set up some awesome play from guard. She kind of lucked into it and was like, oh, here's a leg. Let me pull on it. Um, I, I don't see her being able to produce a ton off her back from Montana. And I think that's where most of the fight's going to be. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I also think that the thing that I really noted about this line is although it's moved from 170 to 270 in favor of Montana De La Rosa, I, I almost find the appeal in, in Lipsky, who is, seems to be a high, highly regarded prospect in ways, especially like you said with that highlight knee bar, I do imagine this steaming down a little bit farther, closer in the range of Lipsky's or Lipsky, but I'm all over Montana De La Rosa here. Probably will be my biggest play of the card, which is hard for like Danny and I always keep rehashing dogger pass, dogger pass, dogger pass. I really think the skill differential between these two ladies and their trajectory of their career and the camps they train out of just all lean towards Montana De La Rosa. And I just, it's it. I the more and more I taped and the more and more I watched, I just couldn't find a path to victory for Lipsky, other than some sort of given submission, which I don't see. Much I don't think Montana can, especially as a brown belt, like you said. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's such a low risk proposition, and Lipsky's a girl who I've been fooled by in the past. I thought was significantly more talented than she was. The fight that really comes out is the Joanna Calderwood fight. I took or Joanna Calderwood, I, I took Lipsky there, and it was a bloodbath. She lost by unanimous decision. I think there was multiple 10-8s, wasn't close. Meatball Molly laid on top of her for three rounds, wasn't close. And I've just seen it too many times over and over again that it's it's a really easy bet here for me, and I'm, and I'm all over it. Has Meatball Molly ever fought Montana? That might not be a bad fight. No, the, yeah, 2019. Uh, oh, again, oh, fought Montana De La Rosa. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not I think sure. that'd be a cool fight, maybe. After it that. would, but I don't think that'll ever happen. Didn't Meatball Molly retire? I don't know. Whatever. Um, I don't know. I think, oh, we only have one fight left on the prelims and then, then to the MCC, baby. Uh, and that one fight is one of my favorite fighters. Although people always are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Makwan Amir Khani versus 
Kamulia Kirk. And the line on that line, or the line on that fight, Jesus, I've only had literally two White Claws and I'm fucking talking like a tismus. Minus 190 for Mach 1 Americani, plus 165 for Kirk. As far as line movement goes, Americani opened, everyone gets seated, at minus 305 and has come all the way down to have a one in front of that line. What are people seeing? I'm not sure. Danny, what have you seen on this one? This is this is the one I, I think I taped the least. Um, I mean, both of these guys are wrestling-based fighters who don't like to shoot for takedowns at all. They <laughs> love their hands. Um, they don't like whatever brought them. They don't like to dance with who brought them. Um, although I... I think I tend to lean Maquan. I agree with the line, I guess, uh, just because he has improved his boxing a ton recently, taking on some pro bite, some pro fights in boxing and really working on those hands. But I did watch that Swain fight and it's not often that you get a guy to retire on the stool. Just be like, I'm done. I don't want to go into the ring again with this Kirk guy. Um, Kirk's gas tank concerns me. In that Billy Q fight, he gassed out and just looked absolutely um, destroyable in this in like the second and third, like not even like he could get his feet under him. I can't really get a great read on this, and this is going to be a pass for me. Um, I'm interested to hear what you say, though. Yeah, so I am glad you mentioned that. So, yeah, you do rarely see someone retire on the stool, and I also was watching that LFA about it's happened in the UFC before and that guy got insta-cut, <laughs> which is not a surprise. Billy Quarantillo is the one loss that jumps out on his resume, being the contender series loss, his shot at you at the UFC, and also a guy who we've I think is now cut by the UFC, but has been I'm not sure if he's cut by the UFC. He's actually not. He's an upcoming bout with Herbert Burns, but he lost to Gavin Tucker. He's he was on tough, he was on contender series. It's just a guy who who's a, a, a easy to, you know, you know what he brings to the table. So it's easy to compare in that type of fight. Um, the one thing that I like is or love is I, I love the fact that the lines come down. When I first was really looking at this, I saw that Mach one was pretty much untouchable at three Oh five, but it, with a one in front, I'm all over Mach one here. I think Mach one by submission is absolutely within the cards. And I look at it more, too, by the type of talent that Maquan's faced in comparison. I mean, we're looking at wins. We have a loss to Arnold Allen via split decision, but, I mean, a unanimous loss to Edson Barbosa, a win over Danny Henry, a loss to Shane Burgos. I mean, uh, going Chris, the distance with Edson has aged so well. So so well. And a Conda choke over Chris Fishgold, who I believe is a black belt in BJJ. So it's, it's the guy's got great submission skills. Like you said, he has a wrestling background. The line wasn't attractive to me at 300. It is very attractive to me at 195 and will probably see my card come this week with Maquan. The other thing that needs to be mentioned for those who don't know, Maquan fucks. Uh, Mr. Finland is his name. And look at his topology page. If you doubt me, his picture is the greatest on all of topology. I mean, it's not even close. It, it does, there's no runner up. And for that alone, he has my money. So mock on to the moon, baby. Uh, and with that being said, 
off that terrible reasoning behind riding Maquan. Also the a training time. partner of McGregor. So got to love yes. team Kavanaugh. Yes. Maquan's just a, a, he really is underrated. I think he's like the anti team Kavanaugh though. He's a guy yeah, who had no hands that showed up with like, teach me hands. I literally teach me hands. I have great submission grappling and good wrestling. So if the hands all come together, we're dealing with a real threat in that division. And I really like him here against this UFC newcomer who couldn't make it off the contender series. With that being said, Kobe, MCC, baby. Yeah, if you're wondering why Parker attended this week's show, it's because he's coming off the greatest single week showing in the history of the MCC with a big nine and a half point week last week. Uh, Ooh, so- clap it up for him. Yeah, it was big. To see you boys this week. I like seeing your pretty faces. I love it, but it was you know, a that, big that showing out Parker. He's into third, very much in the running with myself in second, who's a couple points behind Danny and Reese, the new cellar dweller. Before we get into MCC, let's just all realize that he hit, what, a 586 on Veneta by decision? He didn't even know Veneta was in the UFC until he made that pick. Tragic. Just Still tragic. doesn't, by the way. Still doesn't. And now here we sit. Vandera. I don't know why I said Veneta. Lando Veneta. Vandera. Doesn't matter. Same guy, different day. With that being said, let's get into it because I'm done losing here. I put so much time this week that there's zero chance I don't finish first this week and that I get out of the dweller and send one of you shit zippers back into it. So we got what what's the line? DK CK PR. Yep. RP. Let's do it. So first fight, I'm going back to the Google card now. First fight, middleweight bout, Tom Breeze versus Antonio Arroyo. And the line there is Tom Breeze minus 240, Antonio Arroyo plus 200. I think CK's up, right? No, DK's up. DK up. Take it. I'm the leader here. Um, Tom Breeze. Captain, no. Tom Breeze is a guy who's a highly touted prospect until he went on that skid. Um, the that oh, I guess it wasn't a skid, but that Brendan Allen and then win over KB Bular, who's been pink slips since then. Is it not a win that I credit? Um, so if you ignore that, he's on a skid, two fights. <laughs> he's a good boxer, though. He's a black belt on paper. Um, I got worried when I saw Akhmedov passing his guard with ease and tapping him out. That's not exactly how I thought that fight was going to go, even though I'm an Akhmedov guy. Um, and he hasn't really had a good win in a long time. But you're staring across from a Hoyo who does not have a UFC win at all in his career. And it took him two contender series attempts to even get contracted. He, I mean, he's an okay kickboxer. He's got terrible cardio, bad takedown defense, including, a, I mean, it, it, his losses include a loss to Duran Wynn, a guy who's literally a one-trick pony that's takedowns and can't do anything with them. He's got no position. He's got no submission. He's literally just a wrestler and a short wrestler in that. Um, I have to go Tom Breeze, and I have to pick a method because of the line being so crazy. And I am going to go with Tom Breeze. Wins by decision. You fuck. 246. You fuck stick. I'm also going to pick Breeze and also picking a method because of the line. But I'll go strikes plus 175. 
Okay. I'm going to go Breeze wins by TKO in round one, plus 450. Oh, he's got a fucking chubby now for this. I, uh, that might actually be a send. No, I mean, Breeze is just clearly on another planet as far as talent wise goes. Now, whether he executes or not remains to be seen. How did this see the main card, by the way? No. We just went through a bunch of fights I that I would have really I enjoyed to see on the main card. And we got a guy with no wins versus Tom Breeze. I know. I mean, I think Tom Breeze does somewhat have a lot to offer, but I, I couldn't agree more with you. I, this is tragic. With that being said, I thought I was going to have an edge, but I don't. Tom Breeze decision. Ink me with uh, CK over there. Yeah. DK. DK, whatever the fuck. DK Capper Longhorn MMA Triangle Square 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 Retweet. At Longhorn MMA, follow me. We don't lose, except for the L's. <laughs> we don't lose except for sometimes. Um, next bout on the card. We have a middleweight bout between Dusko Todorovic and a guy on a quick, like, one-week or two-week notice, Gregory Rodriguez. I'm just assuming it's Rodriguez because, you know, jiu-jitsu. Um, and the line on this one is – Oh, where is it? It's not in fucking order. Um, oh, uh, Dusko Todorovic minus one thirty. Gregory Rodriguez plus one ten. This one uh, originally booked as Dusko Maki Patolo, as Reese mentioned. Rodriguez is taking this on short notice. Do you know how short notice? I don't. Um, week and a half. Week and a half. Week and a half. Okay, so no training camp, but enough time to make weight. Uh, Dusko's a really talented fighter. He's a good wrestler, a good striker. My main knock, my main drawback on him is he keeps his hands super low and his chin super high, which we saw Puna Hele Soriano take advantage of. I think we were on Puna Hele there. We were. But <laughs> Rodriguez excels as a submission grappler. He's not a great wrestler, though. I don't see him easily being able to take Dusko down. And he also has super bad striking defense, very little head movement, the kind of the quintessential Brazilian grappler trying to put it all together, but hasn't yet. I favor Dusko here. I think he'll have a lot more success on the feet, and I think he'll be able to avoid the submissions. He's a good grappler in his own right. Um, I haven't decided if this is going to see my card yet, but I'm tinkering with the idea. Dusko scares me. As I said, I, I just can't get over him just sticking his chin out there for someone to tap. Who knows? So what are you taking? Oh, yes. MCC. <laughs> Great rant. I love it. I agreed with all of it. But who are you taking? MCC is a game that I have to play. And I am going to be on the side of Dusko. And I am going to be on this the on the side of Dusko TKO. Okay. What's the line on that, John? Plus 180. I'm also on it. <laughs> there you go. I'm on Toro inside the distance, plus 155. Mm. Mm. So, this line being at 130, genuinely, like, I need to, as the better in me, scares the shit out of me because it doesn't make sense. It opened at minus 195 not that long ago and has come all the way down to minus 130. And it really doesn't make sense. Other than what Danny's saying is that Todorovic leaves his chin out for the taking, but 
but what a guy to be able to do it against. I mean, I don't know if Gregory Rodriguez can even capitalize on that, right? And he's 29 years old. He hasn't made his UFC debut yet. He lost to Jordan Williams on the Contender Series by first-round knockout. I, I don't see how the line is has faded so much unless I'm clearly missing something. Because even in a week and a half of taping, the original Vegas line of 195 seems a lot more fitting than this 130. I, I don't know what people are seeing. I don't really totally understand it. Plus, what do we learn at UFC 258 from Hidalfo Vieira? Oh, Jiu-jitsu does not matter in the UFC. Especially if your plan is to go to decision. That is tragic. But that being said, I, I don't know how to not take Dusko here. And it bothers me because I know I need to try to get out of the cellar and fade you fucks, but it's not going to be here. I also am not going to try to get cute with this one since it seems like such a gift for of a line anyways. So just give me Dusko minus 130 to take it. He'll, he'll figure it out. Good somehow. choice. Seems reasonable to me. Next fight on the card, we got a welterweight bout between Santiago Ponzinibbio trying to right his wrongs against undefeated Miguel Baeza. And the line on that is Miguel Baeza, minus 120, Santiago Ponzinibbio, plus 100. As far as line movement goes, Ponzinibbio is seen as high as plus 130, with Baeza being uh, minus 160 on the other side. Yeah, definitely a banger of a fight. Pons, obviously, huge layoffs due to the serious, um, I think it was bacterial infections. Um, and in, in his return fight against the Leech, he was not himself. He got absolutely rocked, couldn't seem to find distance or find his distance management. Um, I'm not sure this is the same guy who went on that massive streak before the layoff. Facing Baeza, likes to bang, has heavy hands, good boxer in his own right, but he's not afraid to eat a few to land a few. I'm going to go with under two and a half minus 145 as my play in this one. Hope for fireworks, hope for violence. Let's have someone's chin get absolutely touched. Yeah, it's a good play. I like Baeza, and I can't pick a method, but I kind of am in agreement with Danny that I kind of expect violence here. So I'm going Baeza inside the distance plus 150. I was going to go on that, but now I'm going to switch to Baeza. Wins by decision, plus 475. We'll change it, change it. I was going to go under with Dan. I was actually thinking fight doesn't go to decision. But instead, I'm actually going to take Ponza Nibio wins by decision. I think the veteran might be able to use his knowledge to get the better of the exchanges and, and ultimately get that decision nod. Because the thing that's nice about this is you obviously, I mean, Ponzinibbio is a world-class kickboxer and, and Baez is willing to play that game with him. And, and that's what I like the most to see. With the leech, you worried about the takedown and, and whatnot. And, and I think this seems to be a little better. So give me Ponzinibbio wins by decision plus 325. Next fight up the card, Danny's got a hard on. It's a middleweight bout between Roman Delize and Loriano Staropoli. And the line on that is to lead, say, minus 145, Staropoli plus 125. delete has been as high as minus 175. Staropoli being plus 145 on the other side, but it has evened out a little bit since then. Yeah, this is a play for me. I'm going to preface this with – or preface our listeners with this. I'm playing Delize at minus 140 here. I know we played him. Um 
in his last fight, which was a loss against Trevin Giles, a fight where it really looked like he was playing with his food. He was just kind of like shoot, like rolling for heel hooks from top position. Um, he was refusing to ground and pound because he thought it was below him. He was like absolutely playing with his feud, getting too cute. Staropolo is moving up a weight class here too, to 185. And you got Delizé who's fought a couple times in his career at 205. So they're meeting in the middle, being two weight classes apart. And if we really want to get into it, it's it's 35 pounds of weighing apart. It. I mean, it's it's 170 to 205. Um, he's going to have a decent size advantage. He likes to strike from the outside. He's very patient. As I said, that's kind of frustrating sometimes as he gets too patient with trying to counter as his opponent enters. But he is a good wrestler. He's spectacular submissions. He's an incredible heel hook, but he needs to not roll for it in top position or I will shout. (laughs) (laughs) Starpoli's two losses that he's coming off of are to two just superior technical fighters to him. And I think this is another situation where he's just outmatched, outclassed. He likes to throw jumping highlight reel, spinning attacks. It leaves him super open for those counters that Roman loves. This is Roman's fight to lose as long as he's not an idiot. I really think so. Um, he's, he's if he if he fucks this one up, he's crossing over into the like Michelle Pajera category of you can't get out of your own way. And yep. I, I need him to not get. I need him to get out of his own way here. He's an awesome, so talented fighter, and he's not like Michelle. He's not going into that thinking I want to put on a show. He is trying to win. He's trying to be a badass. I just, I just need him to win. I need him to go out and do what he can. Um, Roman, I'm taking Delize, minus 140. I'm not getting cute here. I guess it's 145 now. I had 140 written down when I was taping. I'm seeing on best fight odds, it's 145. Um, I'm taking that because that's what I'm going to play on my card, and I don't want to get confused on fight night because I'm not the brightest. I know Roman is listening. He's a number one supporter of Ankle Pick Pod. Roman tunes in week in and week out. Get Danny a win. You're breaking. I his wanted heart. you as the ankle lock, Roman. He did, but you're breaking Danny's heart. You're killing him. He loves you more than he loves any of us. You're I love you, man. I really do. <laughs> Who doesn't? Ryan Hall, shout out. I was looking at just fight goes to decision, but Danny kind of talked me into Delete say here. Um, I, when I was, I, I wanted to be on Delete from the get go, and I was thinking to myself, when was the last time any Georgian fighter lost? And it took me all of, you know, just looking at Roman Delite's record to find the yeah, last. Yeah, I was gonna say it was Delite. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, though, I can't. I mean, honestly, I can't remember the last time a Georgian fighter lost. And you talked me into Roman Delite there being a just all around better fighter, Star Poli fighting up a weight class. So I'm also on Delite minus 145. I'm not going to get cute with this one. The lead say wins by TKO KO plus 470. I, that's a good number. It is a good number. I've been less than impressed with Roman to say recently, kind of like what Danny's saying. I had so much hope and, and admiration for him and was one of my highest regarded prospects. And he just has not, Pause. Do you are you less than impressed or are you disappointed? Because even when he's kind of fucked up mentally, I've been impressed. It's like you're doing cool shit. Just do more of it. Be I guess dominant. it's a little bit of both. Don't get I, under. 
I guess it was disappointed. That last fight made me less than impressed. Tragic. I mean, I have, I, I am team fade Trevin Giles. So that's a tragic loss for the record. With that being said, I, I've, I know it's what have you done for me lately. And for that reason, I'm on star poly by decision. I know the what size. What has he done for you lately? The, no, he's on a two fight skit. <laughs> uh, the thing for star poly is, the thing that really makes me worry is the what Danny said, the size difference. I mean, it's it's going to be apparent. It's going to be very apparent in there. It's just whether Delizia gets, gets in his own way or not and ultimately costs him the decision, which happened last time against Trevin Giles because I know Danny was like, oh, I thought I had that for Delizia. It was, was Delizia getting in his own way to make the judges be like, how can I give this fight to this man? You know what I mean? And, and, and for that, I think Starpoli gets the decision. Let's hit it plus 255. And it's a team fade, which I need. I'm I'm in the dwell. I'm in the I'm in the cellar. Let me let me do the team fade. Uh, co-main event: Walt Big Ticket Harris versus Marcin Tybura. And the line on this one is Big Ticket plus one fifty five. Marcin Tybura minus one seventy five. The line's gone up a little bit. Walt Harris was one thirty five closer to open. Is mine to start? I am excited for this fight, um, but it is interesting. Harris, big, strong, hits like a truck guy. Um, I, I see him being able to close the distance on Tybura, or at least trying his hardest to close the distance on Tybura and land some big shots right away, try to get him out of there early. Um, and I think he can. I really do think it's possible. We saw him, uh, I think he absolutely dropped, was it Overeem in the first round before Overeem came back and got those takedowns ground and pound. Um, And I think he, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think he hurt Jersey, or no, Volkov. I think he hurt Volkov with one of those throws before Volkov got him out of there. But obviously, both of those were a loss. Um, the thing about Tybura, though, is he hasn't faced that many incredible heavyweight strikers. And I'm not trying to say Walt's an incredible striker, but as a heavyweight, he, he's in that class of those guys that are pure strikers that hit like a truck. One shot will do it. Um, I mean, you're looking back at, at Tybura's heavyweight record, and Greg Hardy dominated him in round one before Ty Burra came back and fought through that. Rothwell landed on him and hurt him. Uh, I mean, even just the, like, Spebacks, Max Grishams, the Augusto Sakais, there's, they're not crazy heavyweight strikers. I don't see him being super comfortable with Derek or with Walt Harrison there. Um, all this being said, I think Tybura probably is the more skilled fighter. Um, he's probably going to have the volume advantage. He's probably going to be the better grappler. He's probably going to win a decision if it makes it past round one. And that's why I'm going Harris round one plus 425. Or, yeah, 425. Harris round one. Um. I'm still on Tybura. I'm going to take Tybura actually by decision, plus 205. 
I'm riding with Danny here. Let's go. Harris round one. Let's do it. I I think Tiber is literally just going to get the takedown at will, ground and pound him at will. It's going to be very similar to the Derek Lewis fight that Tiber had, except he's not going to get clocked in the third round. But I'm going to go funky here and say Walt is going to get tired of the ground and pound. He's going to try to make a move to his feet, and he's going to give his neck. And I'm going to take Tibura by submission. Plus, Interesting. Yeah. I think he'll give it uh, plus 720 for Tibura by decision. I think Walt is the type of guy who his submission grappling defense is so sus that if he gives Tibera his neck, even Tibera can take it. And I expect it to spend a lot of time on the ground. So it'll be there. You know, I mean, if, if, if Tibera slides into Mount, like a warm knife through butter, Walt's going to turn around, try to get to his feet. You lock it in. 720 seems nice for that. Um, and then the last fight on the card, heavyweight bout, main event, Biggie Boy, Jarazino Jer- Rosenstroik versus Augusto Sakai. And the line here is Rosenstroik minus 120. Augusto Sakai plus 100. Jarzinho was as high as minus 145. It has since come down. And Augusto Sakai saw plus 115, currently at the exact even plus 100 line. Danny, last fight pick. Let's hear it. What you got? Yeah, I'm very, very interested in this fight. Definitely more so than any of the other heavyweights on the card. These are two kickboxers, but the main difference is you've got Sakai with the Muay Thai background with the whatever, uh, six points of striking versus Jarzinho with the more traditional background. But I do think that Jarzinho has the better technique, has more power, is faster, has the better strength of schedule. The only thing that scares me about him, uh, it's not the exact same, but it's similar to the lead Zay. He's too reliant on his ability as a counter striker, too patient, um, I think that if he could lead the dance more, he could be a really dominant fighter in this division. And instead he's, he's kind of found himself middle of the pack because he waits and, and should be more willing to throw. I just don't think Sakai is nearly as good or as fast or as well-rounded or as technical as surreal or as Francis um, biggie boys last two losses. And, and especially in that surreal fight, he just couldn't really get anything going trying to counterpunch someone that was faster than him. I think he's going to have a lot of success here against Sakai. I think I'm going to end up playing Biggie Boy at minus 120, and that's why I'm going to go with that um, for the MCC. Is this five rounds? Should I get changed to I get changed to KO. Why not? Let's have some fun. Rose right. Strike KO 160. It's not a bad. The fact that that's plus is crazy. The fact that that's plus is crazy. I am doing Jarzinho first round KO plus 400. Kobe, you read my mind. Let's fucking go. Reese, this should be an easy pod fade, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not jealous of you. I love being on Jarzinho here. I just think it even, I know you have to fade. I know. I was about to say, I, I, I wanted to take Biggie Boy here, but, like, I actually can't. Just give me Sakai even money. I'm going to try to get some points back here. 
I don't think it's going to be a finish. I think it'll probably be a decision, but like, let's not, I have an opportunity to get some points back. Let's not get cute. All right. So all the MCC picks are in. Once again, the prelims this week are start at 3 p.m. Central. The main card starts at 6 p.m. Central. Pretty thick card here. Knock on wood, nothing gets canceled. Any closing remarks, boys, other than the Insta's live, go follow us at AnklePickPod over on Instagram. As always, follow us on Twitter, also at AnklePickPod. Somehow that handle is always available. And anything else, boys? Oh, I've got one more thing. Go for oh, it's it. It's really important. I know what it is. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.